All right, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 today. I was looking for different Mother's Day stories, poems, illustrations, different things, and there's a lot of different stuff out there, but uh, nonetheless, I'll, I'll just do this one quick thing. It says, when a mom says what, it's not because she didn't hear you, she's giving you a chance to change what you said, um, which I think is very true most of the time as well uh, there. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all our mothers that are here today. My mom came down just for Mother's Day today. Um, there may have been other reasons, but nonetheless, that's what we're going to say. When you have a perfect child, when you've been able to, to, to produce and develop a perfect child, you want to see them as much as possible. So if you want to know how to be the perfect mom and produce the perfect child, now she was 50, 50%, uh, she had two kids, and the other one is just a, 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 just a mess. But uh, <laughs> she'll tell you how she messed up with her and how she, she did right with me, and she'll give you all kinds of good good helps today. Hey, Mom, I have a birthday card for you. Or not a birthday card, a Mother's Day card for you, so I'll give that to you afterwards. Um, but uh, nonetheless, Ephesians chapter 6, I remembered to get a... It made it easier. I didn't have to put a stamp on it when I knew she was coming. I remembered Mother's Day card. That's how good of a son I am. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 today, we've been talking about who is God, and we've looked at different at- attributes or aspects of God. Today, I want us to look at a God of preparation, a God of preparation specifically in preparing us, a God that will prepare you for the uh, things that are going to come up in your life. We're going to look at a familiar passage probably to most today, uh, but let's look in Ephesians 6 and let's start in verse number 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is... The Word of God. This morning we're going to look at the armor that God has given to us so that we can be prepared for what comes our way. God is a God that does not leave us um, hopeless, that does not leave us defenseless, but a God that prepares us for what we have. I was thinking about Mother's Day sermons. I've preached specifically Mother's Day sermons before. And, uh, and was thinking about doing that again. But I wanted to stay with our, our series of Who is God? And I thought about mothers, and one of the things that mothers are very good at doing is preparing their children for what is ahead. Uh, they sometimes overly prepare, uh, don't they? Uh, maybe the first time they go on an overnight stay, uh, maybe they may have a few more things than necessary, just in case, uh, you know, just in case there's something goes wrong. Um, you know, some parents like to overly prepare with snacks. Um, I know at camp, there'll be kids who show up for camp 
and they've got snacks to last them about two months. So if they were to get stuck at camp, uh, they would survive for at least two months. And then, uh, and then there's other parents who don't send any snacks with their kids. That's me. Uh, but because uh, they'll meet other people who have snacks. They don't need snacks. Um, but uh, mothers, are good. mothers are good at preparing their children. To, to, so that when they face certain things, they prepare their, their sons uh, for the kind of girls they're going to meet. And if you meet this kind of girl, you run from her. Um, if you meet this kind of girl, you become friends with her and get as close as possible and hopefully one day marry her. Uh, uh, same things with, I'm sure, with daughters. Uh, the mothers will prepare the daughter for the kind of men they want them to meet and, uh, and be friends with and, 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 and eventually get married to. But nonetheless, preparation, I think, fits in with Mother's Day uh, to say all that, to come back to this, uh, to tie it in, to, to make you think this is a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, that's what we're doing today. God is a God of preparation. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help today. I know I do. I pray that you would help. I pray that you would guide. Lord, I pray that your word would be clear to us, that we would learn from it. I know uh, many of us know this passage fairly well. God, I pray that today you'd give us something fresh. Um, if, this is, if this is already new, Lord, I pray that it would be, again, very clear and uh, that we can grow from it. So help me to present these verses clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, we see the armor that God has given us for the warfare that we are in. You don't have an option. If you are a Christian, you do not have an option of whether or not to be in this war. You are in a battle that is daily Satan and the things of Satan attacking you. There is no way to get out of it. There is no way to avoid it. It's going to happen. The question is, is how are you going to face the battle? Are you going to be prepared for the battle or are you just going to surrender and let Satan win? And this is not just a one-time event. This is a daily, uh, almost minute-by-minute minute, uh, war that we are in that we have to be prepared for. You know, if, you're, if I told you you need to be prepared for something, but I didn't tell you how to prepare, it wouldn't help out a whole lot, would it? What if this morning we came in and I said, all right, today we're going to have a test. I hope you prepared for it. Here it is. And you say, wait a second, a test over what? Well, over biology. What? Why? I don't know. Just, just why not? <laughs> we wouldn't be prepared for that. Um, I had to take a test for work, and they gave me weeks to prepare for it. They gave me study material, practice quizzes, all that kind of stuff to be prepared for it. We had to be prepared for what we're going into. And when it comes to the, the battles that we're facing against Satan, God says, not only be prepared, but he said, this is how you can be prepared. This is what I've provided for you so that you can be prepared. Before we look at the armor, let's quickly look in verse number 10. He reminds us of a few things. Verse number 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't go into this battle on your own because you can't do it. You don't have the strength. You don't have the ability uh, to win this battle, you need to go in uh, in the strength of the Lord and in His power. Then he says to put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then again in verse number um, uh, 13, it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, that you will be able to stand in this battle and not be knocked over, and not fall down, and not be uh, beaten in this battle. He tells us in verse 12 who we're wrestling, who we're fighting against. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not against me and you. 
It's not against our neighbor. It's not against our politicians. It's not against uh, anybody else uh, physically in this world. Our battle is against Satan, uh, against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. God says the battle that we're facing is not one that you can win on your own because you're not strong enough. You need God's power. Not only that, though, you have to know who your enemy is. And I believe that sadly today, too many Christians, too many churches think that our enemy is our community. And it's, it's just not that. Our enemy is not the, uh, a president that we didn't like or don't like. Uh, it's not a governor that we like or don't like. It's not uh, uh, somebody else in this world. That's not who we're fighting against. The Bible says to love your neighbor. The Bible says to love your enemy. But the Bible teaches us as well that we have an enemy who hates us and who's seeking to devour us and to destroy us. And that's the enemy that we're fighting against. So if we're, if we're going to try to fight against our community or our neighbor or our politicians with this armor of God, what we're going to find is we're fighting against ourselves because God says don't fight against those people. That's not who your enemy is. Your enemy is Satan. It's much higher. It's much more powerful than your neighbor much more powerful, much higher than, than your politicians. Uh, this is a dangerous warfare. But God says you can stand. He says it uh, three different times uh, to stand. He says it in verse number uh, 11. He says it in verse number 13 and in verse number 14 as well. And so if, if God says if you'll do this, you can be in this battle, you can be victorious in this battle, and you can uh, stand in this battle, well, then I think we should think about doing it. I think we should. Uh, number one, let's look at the armor that we have here today. Uh, number one, in verse number uh, uh, 14, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Our loins girt about with truth. The girdle of truth, so to say. Well, what is a girdle? A girdle here in this, at least, is a sash or a belt. The idea is it holds everything in place. Um, have you ever had a, uh, I don't know, uh, have you ever put on a tool belt and you put it on at first and you go, man, this is really light. Um, now I guess if you buy a nicer one, maybe it's not, but nonetheless, really light. But then you start putting stuff in it. The next thing you know, it's kind of pulling you down a little bit and weighing on you and you got to keep pulling it up and uh, tighten it, whatever it is. Uh, well, this is something that is going to hold everything together. Uh, so you've, you've got your, your battle robe um, back in that time. You've got your, your different armor. The, the, the girdle is going to help keep everything where it's supposed to be. The girdle of truth, I believe, biblically, spiritually speaking, can hold everything together. In, in the battle of this time, it would hold their money, if they had money on them, their sword, uh, riding instruments, whatever else that they had with them, it was going to hold uh, but we see it's the girdle of truth. What is truth? Uh, truth, I believe, is uh, the truth of the Bible. And the truth of the Bible holds everything else that we're going to have in place. If I don't have truth, then I'm not going to be able to, to, to hold on to the breastplate of righteousness. Because I'm not going to know what, what is righteousness. I need the truth in order to do that. The Bible says in John 8, 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When we have the truth, we are free. Free from what? Free from wrong passions. Free from wrong views. Free from uh, the slavery of sin. 
And the Bible truth will hold all of our other armor, will hold everything else where it's supposed to be, so that we can be effective in this war that we are in. Um, truth is something that is in, the, in society today that has to be defined biblically. Because society won't give you the biblical definition of truth. Society doesn't believe in the Bible. Culture as a whole does not support the Bible and what the Bible says. We say, well, I believe this is true because the Bible says it. And they'll say, well, I believe that this is true because I do. <laughs> we have to understand and we have to believe that the Bible is truth. Um, I've told you stories before about a conversation I had with a coworker once, and they asked me a question. My first question in, in, in answering was, uh, what do you think the Bible is? Because my answer is going to be based on the Bible. And if you don't believe the Bible is true, then my answer is not going to matter to you. We have to, to not only uh, uh, know the Bible truth, we have to believe that it is true. That when the Bible says it, then that's fact. That when God says thou shalt not, that means we can't. That when God says this is wicked, then it's wicked. That when God says this is right, then it's right. And we have to follow that and so that we can be then have that to hold everything else together. If you don't know what truth is, it's not going to help you at all. And so the girdle of truth is going to hold things together. It's going to hold everything where it's supposed to be. Which brings us to our second part here in verse number 14. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate in this time is something that would cover from neck to thigh. So we think a breastplate just covering the upper body, but, but in this time, the breastplate would cover from neck to thigh. It's going to cover uh, uh, also front and back. So not just the front, but also the back. It's going to give you a complete covering, a complete protection from your neck down to your thigh. It's going to protect the vital parts of your body. Now think spiritually, think the image, the picture that God is giving us here of the breastplate of righteousness. Something that protects the vital parts of my body. What is righteousness? Righteousness is integrity, holiness, purity. It's right. Righteousness is right. It's doing right. It's being right. <coughs> Excuse me. Righteousness protects against Satan's assaults by protecting our heart, the most vital part uh, of our body. If the heart stops beating, guess what? <laughs> You're done. The breastplate of righteousness protects us by keeping us safe, our heart, our vital parts spiritually safe. And God says, I'm not going to throw you into battle with just a girdle. Although if you didn't have one, maybe it would be effective for a little bit. But after a while, it's not going to be effective anymore. Then the breastplate of righteousness is going to come. It's going to protect you. The vital parts of you. A soldier without a breastplate couldn't defend himself appropriately. And guess what? We can't either. If we don't have on the breastplate of righteousness, how in the world are we going to protect against the attacks that Satan's going to hurl at us? 
We have to have the breastplate of righteousness. When our character fails, and that's, that's a, an aspect of righteousness, when our character is failing, we are not righteous. When our character fails, we open ourselves up to attack. Think of some Bible examples of that. David, we talked about David recently. When David's character failed, when he was not righteous, when he did wrong, it opened his life up to, to attacks. He, he made decisions. He had actions that were wrong. That, that ruined him, that hurt him, that uh, affected more than just him. Uh, Peter, think of Peter, the apostle, um, the one that denied Christ three times. Remember when he was there and uh, people were saying, hey, aren't you the guy that hung out with that Jesus? And he said, no, that's not me. I, you're thinking of somebody else. And they said it again. No, I'm pretty sure you're one of those guys that walked around with Jesus. No, 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 that's not me. And the third time they, they, they accused him uh, uh, of being a follower of Jesus, which he was, uh, he, he cursed at them. At that time, Peter was not wearing the breastplate of righteousness. His heart was not protected. I believe he was scared. I believe he was uh, uh, concerned. I believe he didn't know what was going on with Jesus. I believe he was terrified for his friend, for his, his, his uh, uh, teacher, his pastor, whatever you want to call Jesus to Peter, and, and, and all of that. But at the same time, he was not protecting himself. He did not have protection. He was not wearing what he needed when it came to protecting his heart, the most vital part that he had. And Peter's sin and David's sin are very different, are they not? But both of them opened themselves up to doing something they should not do because they were not protected the way that they should have been protected. All of this armor that we're talking about, each of them God says to put on, which means it's an option you have in the sense that you have to put it on. God says, here it is, but you have to put it on. Um. When I was in college, I, uh, I got to play on a club team for hockey. Uh, I'm from Tennessee. I didn't really, I, I mean, I'd, I'd ice skated before, but I'm not a hockey ice skater, right? I, I couldn't be in the Olympics figure skating or anything like that. I, I'm, not a, I'm not an ice skater. I can go forward really well. I can stop when I run into the wall or somebody else, and I can go backwards if someone kind of gives me a shove. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, when I was getting ready to play for the first time, I had a friend that was telling, showing me what I needed. And he said, you know, you need this, you need that. Um, you know, get a helmet with a face mask, he said. And I was like, I've watched hockey on TV. They don't wear face masks. He said, well, you don't have to wear a face mask, but you'd be pretty stupid if you didn't. <laughs> so he gave me the option, right? Well, I'm glad I wore a face mask because there were a few times that either the puck or the stick or, or somebody else would hit me in the face mask. And every time I thought, I'm glad I have a face mask because then this would have been ruined. Uh, but, but nonetheless, we see that the armor that God gives us, He says, you have to put it on. And when you don't put it on, you're at danger. David there were times in David's life where he put on the breastplate of righteousness. And there were times where he did not. There are times in our lives where we'll put on the breastplate of righteousness and we'll be protected. And there are many times, though, that we say, you know what, today I'm going to leave this one at home. 
The breastplate of righteousness, all of the armor, is incredibly important. That God's given it to us for a reason, so that we can stand, so that we can withstand, so that we can survive the attacks of Satan. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have some integrity. Have some holiness. Have some purity. Thirdly, we see we see the first the girdle of truth, and we have to have the truth of the Bible to hold everything together. The breastplate of righteousness protects our most vital parts. Number three, we see our our feet are to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Think of this picture. There are really two parts to protecting feet back in this time. You had the shoe or the sandal that would cover the foot. Um, would give you, you know, support on the bottom so that you weren't running barefoot. Most of the time for the soldier, they would have some sort of spike, so kind of like a cleat, um, so they could get some grip. They could stand, they could push, they could not be pushed back. They could have a, a firm foundation, so to say. Um, then they would also have what, what was called the greaves. <coughs> the greaves would come up the leg a little ways to protect the shin area. Uh, on the top of the foot, and so forth from there. In First uh, Samuel, it talks about uh, Goliath. When it's giving what all that Goliath had, it talks about these uh, that he has as well. The greaves are fitted to the leg. They're made of brass uh, oftentimes, and it's just purely for protection. There's no offensive, uh, uh, really, uh, means for this. It is purely defensive. Uh, the the being shod here uh, so that you can be uh, have a firm uh, uh, hold in the ground and uh, and hold your your place so to say and the purpose we see for the our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace the preparation what does that mean it means ready to go ready to go have your feet shod with the uh, preparation of the gospel of peace be ready to go. Uh, what's the last thing that you tell your kids before you head off for church? I don't know about you. For us, it's put your shoes on. Why? Because until your shoes are on, you're not ready to go. I know we're in Kentucky, but once your shoes are on, then we're ready to go. All right? Maybe we'll have an old-fashioned Sunday or, or a mountain Sunday, and we can come barefoot. But nonetheless, for now, put your shoes on. You're not ready to go yet. Every morning, it seems like, we'll say, hey, are you ready for school? And one of them will say, yes. And I'll look, and I'll say, where are your shoes? Downstairs. Then you're not ready for school. <coughs> ready to go. We should be ready with the gospel. We should be ready with God's word to go, to share, to proclaim. How can we be ready with the gospel? Well, it starts with something incredibly simple. If you're going to be ready with the gospel, you have to know the gospel. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> uh, our kids had a piano recital this week. All right. So if you were to ask our children uh, on Tuesday night, are you ready for your piano recital? Yes. Okay. Why? Because I know my songs. Okay. Then you're ready. If you're going to be ready, prepared with the gospel, you have to know what the gospel is. The gospel is defined in the Bible as uh, the fact that Christ uh, uh, lived, he died, and he rose again. Now that's uh, that's paraphrased, but that's defined for us in the Bible as the gospel, the good news. You have to know what the gospel is. Are we prepared to go with the gospel? 
when we are prepared, when we are ready, we will be able to stand firm in the battle. If your feet aren't shod, you're not ready. You're not ready to go. So be prepared. Be ready. If someone comes to you at work and says, hey, can you tell me what the Bible says? How I can get to heaven? And you go, uh... Well, that's not, that's not a good place to be. Not be ready? Philip, he met the Ethiopian eunuch um, out in the desert. And the, the eunuch said, uh, he said, I've been reading, well, I don't know what it means. Can you tell me what it means? Again, I'm paraphrasing. And guess what? He was ready to tell him. The Bible says that he, he, he went to the exact book that the eunuch was reading. Sometimes we, we, we learn certain verses. And if someone were to come to us in the book of Isaiah and say, can you tell me what this means? We'd go, well, can I take you to Romans? Because um, I, I know that. Now listen, there has to be time to grow. I understand that. But you need to know the Bible. You need to be prepared and ready to go. You need to be able to understand. And there are going to be questions that we have. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Nothing at all wrong with asking questions. We should ask questions if we don't know. But we need to be preparing so that we can go. The Bible also says not only with the gospel, but it says the gospel of peace. What does that mean? Uh, the gospel brings peace. Uh, we think about battle and uh, the reality is, is you can't have peace without war, I don't think. Uh, maybe you could disagree with me and I'm okay, whatever. But, uh, you know, we say, well, we just want peace. Can't we all just get along? Well, you're not going to have peace until wickedness is gone. And so the reason why we go to war is because there is someone who is wicked, so to say, if I can use the term, that, that doesn't like us, that's going to hurt us, so we have to go get rid of them before we can have peace. Well, the same is true spiritually speaking. We're not going to have peace because of Satan until God gets rid of Satan, wickedness. And so we come to this point here where God says be prepared, but prepared with the gospel of peace. Well, the gospel brings peace. Why? Because the gospel uh, brings righteousness. When someone receives the gospel and they get saved, well, now they have a new desire to please God, to live their life in a way that pleases God. They have a desire to not have the wickedness in their life in, anymore. They have give, been given the new man. Uh, we still have the old flesh, but now there's the new, uh, the new spirit that God gives us that helps us, that conviction that comes in our heart when we say, this is wrong, I shouldn't be doing this. I don't want to do this because it's wrong. The gospel brings peace. It brings peace in our lives. When we have uh, uh, peace because of what God can give us that comes from the gospel, ultimately, it can bring a peace that nothing else can give us. And the gospel, the word gospel means good news, and, uh, and it is good news. Uh, I don't read the newspapers today. My boss brought one in the other day. He said, I don't know why I still get this. Um, but so he gave it to me, and I actually read a little bit of it. But uh, normally I don't, read, I don't read any news, honestly. I try not to, uh, other than sports news, because all the other news is depressing. Um, I, I'm sure there is some good stories out there, but typically when I hear the news, it's negative. Someone's been shot, uh, drug epidemic. Uh, all this disease and hepatitis and all that kind of stuff. That's not good news. But God says that the gospel that I give you is a gospel of peace. It is good news. 
When we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we'll be ready to march. We'll have a firm footing, and we will have another area protected in the battle. We have the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of gospel of the gospel of peace. And verse 16 shows us the shield of faith. Now look in verse 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith. This doesn't mean in matter of importance. Um, I believe if you study it as I have, I believe you will see this means covering all, the shield of faith. Not, uh, not as it necessarily, and all of these are, are vitally important. Each aspect of these are vitally important. But we see here this idea of covering all, above all. It covers everything. It protects you uh, from head to toe, the shield of faith. It can protect every part of the body, whether you turn uh, or move, because it's a shield and you carry it with you and it guards you, it protects you. Uh, typically in this time, it would be a long, uh, uh, made of light wood covered in an animal hide, polished smooth, and oftentimes oiled so that uh, when the arrows and the darts would come, they would just glide right off of the shield. Uh, and we'll see that picture given to us here in a moment as well. But the purpose of the shield is, is simply just protection. Now, if a soldier didn't have his shield, he didn't feel protected. He felt vulnerable. We should feel that way too without the shield of faith. As long as we have faith, we are protected. We oftentimes will feel protected. Not often. If we have faith, we feel protected. Think about some, some illustrations in the Bible. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples were out on the water and a storm came. Christ was asleep in the boat. And this massive storm hit and the disciples go downstairs and they wake up Jesus and they say, Carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus comes up and he walks out in the boat and he says, Peace be still, and the water's calm, and the storm stops. And he turns to his disciples in verse 39 of Mark 4, and he says, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, with no faith, we have fear. God says faith gives you a confidence. Faith gives you a, 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 the sense of protection. Faith protects our head, it protects our heart, it protects our pack, it protects every aspect. It's the shield of faith. Look at people going through trials or hardships. You can see if they have faith by the way they're handling it. When a Christian lacks faith, you will find a Christian who is stressed. You'll find a Christian who is overwhelmed. Sometimes when a Christian lacks faith, you'll find a Christian who's depressed. Sometimes when a Christian lacks faith, you'll find a Christian who's in a hot mess. Because where there is no faith, there is always fear. But faith protects me from that fear. If the disciples had faith in that instance, they probably would have went to Jesus immediately, first of all, and said, hey, just... Just so you know, there's a storm outside. Uh, you know, uh, or they may have just asked him, hey, can you please stop the storm? Faith brings not only true protection, it brings that sense of protection as well, the understanding of protection. It can quench the fiery darts uh, as well as it talks about in verse number 16, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Fiery darts come suddenly. 
There they are. Fiery darts come unexpectedly. Maybe like an ambush mentality. Fiery darts pierce and they penetrate. They torment. A fiery dart in this time would not only hurt, would not only be hot because of the fire, but oftentimes would have something uh, that it was dipped in that would cause great anguish. Fiery darts are dangerous, but guess what? Faith quenches. Or in another uh, way, renders ineffective the fiery darts. So that when they come, they glance off. So they cannot penetrate, so that they cannot uh, cause that anguish, so that they cannot hurt uh, you because of the shield of faith. Faith comes by having confidence in God and relying on God's promises and God's help. So we go through a trial. Lord, I need your help. And I'm trusting, I'm depending on you uh, to give me the help that I need. I'm not going to fear it. I'm not going to, to, to stress out about it. I'm going to have faith that you're going to take care of it. I'm telling you from experience, when that moment comes, it changes everything. As you're sitting there worrying and stressing over a situation, whatever it may be, and you finally say, God, I've said this before, God, this is killing me, literally. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. I know that's not right. Say, God, I'm just going to give it to you and let you handle it. And he does. The shield of faith, it's an important piece of the armor. It protects us. We need the shield of faith. Number five, we have two more left and we'll be done. Number five is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, we see it in verse number six, uh, 17. Excuse me. Uh, its purpose, it was made uh, back then out of uh, leather or brass. It would be fitted to the head so it wasn't like loose and flopping around and everything like that. Um, it was obviously to protect the head. It is a picture for us of, of salvation and the hope of salvation, or maybe a better word would be assurance of salvation. Uh, the helmet of salvation protects and preserves us during spiritual conflict and the attacks from Satan. And the head is a very important part of the body. If you lose it, well... You know, you can't just pick it up and put it back on. Um, you know, you can't screw it back on, nothing like that. If you lose your head, you're in trouble, needless to say. The helmet of salvation, it is the uh, uh, salvation itself. And then after salvation, it's the hope or the assurance of salvation. I use the word hope biblically, not, not the way we usually think of it. The assurance of salvation, knowing that I have it knowing that I can't lose it. How can you fight a battle with no hope of victory? Uh, there are certain things in life we can say, I'm not going to win, but I can learn, right? But when it comes to a battle, you're talking about life and death. And if there's no hope for life, then what's the point of, of battling? God says, and we talked about this last week as well, but once you're saved, you are placed in the hand of God the Father. And there is no person and no thing that can pluck you out of His hand. You're guarded. You're protected. The Bible calls it eternal life or everlasting life. Guess what? 
The Bible means it. It's eternal. It's everlasting. Once you have it, you cannot lose it. And so as we're battling through the attacks that Satan has and we've got our feet shot and we've got our breastplate on and we've got our shield of faith and, and then we put on our helmet of salvation knowing, securely knowing that I cannot lose. That no matter what Satan throws at me, that no matter how hard the attack, that no matter how hard the trial is, I can't lose. Put on the armor that God's given you. And the helmet of salvation. The hope that comes with it. Lastly, is the sword of the Spirit. It is God's Word. Soldiers had many different weapons. Bows, spears, battle axes maybe, I don't know. But without the sword, didn't really feel fully prepared for battle. Their swords were oftentimes shorter, two-edged. Our sword is it's important for us to see here in the Bible. It says in verse um, number 17, it says the sword of the Spirit. Uh, the sword that we are given is, is from God. It is of the Spirit. It is God's Word. Literally, God's words in the Bible. Uh, I believe because the Bible says that the, the Scriptures are inspired by God. The word inspired that is used uh, is, is God breathed. God spoke the words. Men penned them down for us to have, but God inspired. These are God's words that we have. And here we see that, that our sword is from God, it is of God, and it specifically is God's words. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is like a sword, a two-edged sword. It's piercing. It can, it can, it can get into the, to the vital part. It's an important part of our armor. Excuse me, Matthew 4, Christ used this sword to fight off Satan's temptations. Satan came and tempted Christ three different times, and every time Christ responded to the temptation with Scripture, with God's words. When we're armed with truth, Satan can be defeated. We believe, I believe, I hope that you do too, the Bible is true. When we're fighting with truth, it kind of changes things, does it not? You ever seen someone who was called out on their lie? <laughs> that stammering look that they have, the stuttering, the uh, 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 uh. Truth has a way of changing things. We need to be armed with the truth. What does that mean? That means, again, we need to study. We need to know what truth is. We need to know God's Word so that we can effectively use it. Have you ever heard someone quote a Bible verse only to realize it's not a Bible verse? I've seen that before. Oh, you know the Bible says. Mm, no. No, that's just a saying. <laughs> it may be a good saying. It may be a... Uh, you know, a, a neat saying, but no, that's not what the Bible says. Know what the Bible says so that you can effectively use the sword of the Spirit. Also, we study so that when temptation comes, we have Scripture to fight off the temptation. We should study so we have God's wisdom and we're not working on our own wisdom. There's a lot of books out there that will teach methods on how to defeat temptation. But I promise you that only God's Word teaches us guaranteed ways 
to fight off Satan and the attacks that he gives us. Christ was tempted, it says, in three different ways. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. If you study through the temptations of Christ, those are the three areas that He was tempted in. And I believe all the temptations that we face are covered in those three areas as well. Christ is our ultimate example in every aspect of life. And when Christ had Satan attacking, what did he do? He swung the sword of the Spirit. We look at the armor that God says for us to put on, and we need to remember that God has prepared us for the battle that we're in. He is not a God of abandonment. There will be people who will tell you, God abandoned me. I guarantee you God did not. I know there are times that it's felt like that. But it's not what happened. God is a God of preparation. And He says, you're going to face hardships. You're going to face trials. You're going to face attacks. But if you will put on the whole, the entire armor of God, you will be able to stand. So today as we think about who is God, may you, may you understand that God is a God who prepares us. He's offered us preparation. He's, he's done His part to prepare us. Now He's saying, do your part. Put it on what I've taught you. Put it on what I've given you so that you can stand the way that you're supposed to. If a mom were to tell their child, I'm going to prepare you for this. It's cold outside. Put on a coat. If you don't put on a coat, what's going to happen? You're going to get sick. Coat's hanging by the door. Put it on before you go outside. And the kid's wearing a sweatshirt. Back in my day, a turtleneck. Remember those? And uh, says, I'm hot, so I'm not going to put on my coat. And he goes outside and plays. And then he gets sick. Was it because mom didn't prepare him? No. It's because he was silly enough to not put on his coat. It's a simple illustration, but friend, God says, put on your coat in the simplest way. Or you're going to get sick. May I suggest you just put on the coat? God says, put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand. Don't walk out the door without your armor on. Lord, I pray for your help. I pray that as we continue to look into who you are, God, that we would understand the importance of the preparation that you've made for us. And God, that we would not ignore it. God, that we would not avoid it. But Lord, that we would trust it. God, I pray that you'd help us as we battle different things today. I pray in this week, I pray that you would help us to each day put on the armor that we need. And God, that we can be prepared. That we can be ready to go. Lord, that we can have the hope and the assurance of salvation. Lord, that we can have the faith that we're supposed to have, the righteousness that we're supposed to have, the sword of the Spirit. Lord, help us to better know Your Word. Help us to be more faithful in studying out Your Word, Lord, and seeking You for help. God, we do thank You today for mothers. We thank You for uh, each mother that is here, for each mother that could not be here or is not here. Lord, I pray that You would help us today. Uh, to, to understand what a gift it is to have the mother that we have. Lord, I pray that you would help 
those who are mothers here, that you would give them great blessings today and encouragement. Lord, I pray that you would uh, uh, just uh, help us. Lord, we, we, just, we so often depend on ourselves. And God, you've done so much to prepare us. Lord, would you help us to, to follow you and to do what you've said to do. Lord, we'll praise you uh, for all that you do for us. We'll continue to give you the glory for your protection in this battle that we're in. Lord, help us to know our enemy. Help us to stop fighting people who are not our enemy. And Lord, put our focus and our attention where it should be as well. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, we ask for your blessings over the rest of our day. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and break for lunch today. I know a few people are leaving, but uh, if you are sticking around for lunch, we'll get things set up, and then we'll pray, and then we'll eat, and let's go ahead and be dismissed. Hi, good to see you. Excuse me. Hi. 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 H